This podcast is for adults 21 years of age or older. We talk about cannabis history and advertise cannabis products. If you're not 21, come back when you are. Spoke Media. Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome back for yet another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. On this podcast, my partner Bean and I, who are both cannabis journalists and media makers, go over some of the more fascinating points in the very long, long, long history of cannabis. Isn't that right, Bean? Oh, that is precisely what we do. And you should know that I have no prior knowledge of the story that we're about to hear. I'm about to hear it fresh from Bean along with you. And I'm so stoked to be here hearing another story. Bean, what do you have for us today? Oh, I've been waiting to tell you this one for a long time. This is a a story very close to my heart. I think you'll understand as we go along. And it is about a young person who played an incredible weed prank. I would say a supreme weed prank and then took it all the way. Oh, my God. A weed prank. Well, I personally really love weed pranks. I've taken part in some in my day. I've definitely witnessed plenty of them. Usually pretty harmless stuff when there's weed involved. And my imagination is just running wild right now. So I'm ready to hear this thing. I rolled us up a nice joint of some humble cannabis right here. Uh, It's sitting in front of me. We got some beverages. We're all comfy and cozy. So I think we're pretty much ready. Well, we're ready. But if you're listening, uh, you may want to hit pause and roll something up or pack a bowl or indabinate your dabbables. That's what they call it. That is what they call it because uh, we're ready for another great moment in weed history. Smoke media. <sighs> All right. So weed pranks. Oh, man. You know, my mind goes back to this one weed prank that was kind of a favorite back in the day. And this was when we would get weed that had a lot of seeds in it. You would pick out all the seeds and then like, you know, when rolling the blunt, you would put a bunch of the seeds in one spot in the blunt. And then you didn't know who was going to get hit with it. But invariably, somebody in that scythe would end up hitting the seeds and they would pop and kind of explode the blunt and they would smell and taste terrible. And yeah, that's the prank that comes to mind first for me. That is a classic. That is the exploding cigar (laughs) of cannabis culture. That's the flapping dickie or the the water, uh, the the squirt gun flower. Yeah, I've been involved in uh, in that kind of a prank. This is, this story today is on a whole nother level though. Uh, Perhaps shall we say on a much higher level. Dear God. All right. On January the 24th, 2002, the Winter Olympics torch procession ran through Juneau, Alaska. Ah, right. Okay. So I'm having some vague recollections now that this was an Olympic year, 2002. It was the year that I graduated high school. So you can bet that my memories of this entire time are pretty hazy. But yeah, sure. Olympics in Juneau. I'm a little older than you, so my memories of that time are a little cushy. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, so this puts you right in the shoes of the hero of today's 
great moment in weed history. Your 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 age contemporaries. Interesting. Okay, I'm gonna guess that this was a senior prank. Was did this actually involve uh this person's high school or high school class? Yeah. Well, here we go. So it's it's the big day in Juneau, Alaska. The torch is you you know what the the procession yeah, is. Yeah. Like. Right. It's like this flame that's never been extinguished, and they're carrying it. You know, a person carries it or. Or, or shoots an arrow with it or whatever into the actual, like, uh, goblet or whatever you call it. Yeah. But before that happens, it goes on this long route. Right. Um, and it's running through Juneau, Alaska. And so along with the rest of his high school, 18-year-old Joseph Frederick gets excused from class for part of that day so that he can stand on a public street and observe as this most sanctified international symbol, you know, moves past. Right. It's it's like a little, it's a parade or whatever. It's a special occasion in Juneau. Yeah, and, and, and what's better than getting a half day off of high school for pretty much anything? Yeah, seriously. So Joseph uh, decides he's going to have a little fun with this. Okay. Any thoughts? All right, so there's a flame involved here. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of times in a weed story, there's flames involved. But, I mean, still, like, I, I just... I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I'm trying to think what 18-year-old me would have done in this situation. Maybe pants the runner. But again, that, that seems malicious. And, and not that weedy. Not that weedy. All right. So I, I don't know what, what, what happens here. Okay. What does he do? So Joseph organizes a number of his classmates in advance of this. So they know this is coming. A conspiracy. Yes. And together, they constructed a 14-foot banner. They folded it up carefully, and they secretly escorted it to the parade route. So Joseph has it, like, under his clothes. Mm. Then Joseph waited until the torch approached, strategically positioned himself so that all of the attendant television cameras would, you know, he's going to be in the camera view. Oh, he's going to be on TV. (laughs) Oh, sure it is. They're filming the torch. He sees the torch procession coming. And then at the optimal moment, now this is 14 feet, so it takes several students. It's uh, highly legible. (laughs) (laughs) Very highly legible. (laughs) And we retire that pun. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so he's got his little crew, and you can imagine. Remember when you were young and pranking and your heart's pumping and you're like sweating? and Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is essentially, as an 18-year-old, the type of moment that you live for. You know what I mean? Like, this is it. And obviously, there's a lot of people who have been working on this. You know what I mean? It's like people have come together. These children have bonded over <laughs> over this activity. Something's about to go down. Yeah, he's showing leadership. And I, and I say this story is close to my heart because I was a very sort of punky teenager in this way. Oh, I as well. And so, okay, everything's lining up now. Here comes the torch. There's the cameras. He's got his crew. Joseph gives him the signal. And they unfurl this banner, which is just like a big banner with writing is duct tape. What do you think it said? I mean, my first guess would be legalized weed. Okay. Oh, that's not it, huh? Mm, that could be one. I, I I, was thinking, have you ever heard of this is not it Did either? say fuck the police? <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty weedy statement. That's a pretty weedy no statement. It's, it, it's, it's more surreal. It's more out of the box. The only other thing I was thinking would be a fun one if I could... You know, I always have my red pen mm-hmm. in mind, make a little edit. Have you ever heard of Alaska Thunderfuck? Yeah, yeah. 
the strain. Yes. Uh, it's native to the Matanuska Valley up there. Oh. Uh, that would certainly raise some eyebrows. But no, it is a very simple sign that says, Bong hits for Jesus. <laughs> 14 feet across. Okay, cool. Now, I'm having this sensation that probably a lot of stoners listening to this are having. That's like, where the fuck have I seen that before? <laughs> I've definitely seen the phrase bong hits for Jesus somewhere. It's ringing a distant bell in my skull somewhere. It's a great, great slogan to put on a banner. That's for sure. To put on anything, really. Yeah, truly. I, I, I'm i sure after this, there was, you know... Uh, an excellent, like, you know, sales of, like, bumper stickers that say <laughs> Bong Hits for Jesus. Okay, so, now, my first question is, was he a religious type of kid? No. Okay, uh, so this was purely for humorous value. Yeah. All right, so, Joseph Frederick has gotten his friends together, and they've laid out a banner for all of Juneau, Alaska to see that says Bong Hits for Jesus what happens next? And is it the police? Uh, and it's not just for all of Juneau, Alaska to see, because this gets on CNN Live. As the symbolic torch was carried through Juneau, Alaska on its way to the 2002 Olympics, Douglas Public High School let students stand on city streets to watch it pass by. When it did, Douglas student Joe Frederick unfurled this banner, Bong Hits for Jesus. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you mentioned that there are TV cameras pointed at exactly where they've dropped this thing. So whether they like it or not, anybody who's watching live TV at that moment gets this in their corneas. <laughs> they see <laughs> yes. it. Bong hits for Jesus. The, the good word spreads. The good uh, word. And so to get back to the, he had originally, he had had the idea to do a sign, uh, Joseph says, but they couldn't figure out what exactly they wanted to put. They thought about legalized marijuana. They thought about all kinds of things. And then he saw a snowboarding sticker that said, Bong hits for Jesus. <laughs> and he was with his sort of Bonnie and Clyde girlfriend. And they were like, that's it. Wow. Shout out snowboarders. That's a very snowboardy thing to, to have as a slogan. I personally find the activity of snowboarding to be a little bit of an insane thing to do. Probably not something I'd want to do myself. Definitely falls into the category in my mind of crazy white people shit. <laughs> but I definitely appreciate the stoniness that comes with the culture of snow sports in America. Oh, most definitely. And so this is what Joey said later to CNN about why he picked Bong hits for Jesus. Oh, so this led to an interview. <laughs> this, yeah. this leads to a lot of things. Remember when I said he took it all the way? Yeah. So actually, and and the the beginning is is pretty extravagant in the first place. So I, I can imagine things are only going to get better slash worse. Uh, alternately, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> so Joey tells told CNN. I find it absurdly funny. I was not promoting drugs. I assumed most people would take it as a joke. Smart man, Joseph. Smart man. Because you know that inside he was actually advocating for cannabis. Look, as weird or bizarre as the statement might seem, you know, it's exactly the kind of subversive thought that kind of just burrows into your head and then stays there. And suddenly the concept of 
Jesus smoking a bong just becomes this thing that he's incepted into your mind. Yeah, and it's just like mental jujitsu mm -hmm. because it is this very conservative Christian area where he lives. So he's saying, oh, you don't like bong hits, mm -hmm. but what if I'm doing it for Jesus? And then yeah. they, they don't know how to react. <laughs> yeah, because you see, the, the logic of the highly religious is already tends to be somewhat flimsy. Yeah, so guess who does not find this to be hilarious? I'm going to guess the mayor of Juno was unhappy. The principal of the school. Oh, we're going to start pretty small. We're going to okay. work our way. Yes, we're going to work our way up. So Juno Douglas High School principal, Deborah Morse, not a friend of the podcast. Wow, her name is such a principal name. Yeah. So she bum rushes him. As soon as she sees the sign, she runs up and she demands that Joseph surrenders the banner. All these kids. Huh. Was he like, uh... This is not your jurisdiction. It's a half day today. <laughs> yeah. So all, and no shade to these other kids, but everybody else drops the banner and our man Joseph is holding it in both hands and he's like, you will not infringe on my free speech. Mm-hmm. Man, going down with the ship. Respect to Joseph. Joseph takes it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking better now. <laughs> You think, oh, okay, I kind of get it. You'll see. So the principal actually has to grab the banner out of his hands and rip it, and she crumples it up. Oh, my God. So she actually, she's like literally assailing his right to free speech. Yes, in, 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 in the most physical way possible. Fucking fascist. Fucking fascist. And I, and I can... Hope we get the Lebowski sheriff in there with one more fucking yeah. fascist. <laughs> <laughs> fucking fascist? So, as you might imagine, this was not Joseph's first clash with the principal. Yeah, it seems like this is probably part of a pattern, I would guess. Yeah. So, less than a year before this incident, according to an article in the Anchorage Daily News, Joseph had been arrested, guess for what? For having weed at school? For reading a book in the school's common area. What? <laughs> Arrested? All right, so this is this is a description from an article that was in the Anchorage Daily News of what happened a year before the bong hits for Jesus incident, as we'll call it. Okay. His class is done for the day. Camaro Joe, as some kids called him, so we must assume he has a Camaro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so good old Camaro Joe is waiting for his girlfriend to finish classes for the day because he's going to give her a ride home. As he recalls the story, a vice principal approached and told him he couldn't stay in the commons area without supervision. Okay. Joseph refuses and says, I have a right to sit quietly in my own school and read a French existentialist. So he was reading like Sartre or something? Yeah, he's one of those. I was one of those. Yeah, 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 sure. So he's a, he's an intellectual type, and he's, like, kind of anti-authoritarian, obviously. Yeah, and, you know, I think the thing to keep in mind about anti-authoritarian and anti-authority is, you know, we both are, are, are a few years out from high school, and you get some perspective, and you realize mm -hmm. the kids throwing rocks through the windows— they don't become anti-authoritarians. They become cops. Yeah. And the kids who are in the library getting arrested for reading a book, 
Those are your anti-authoritarians. Yeah, this is so true. Like, this is such a real thing. I definitely know kids from my high school who were kind of bullies, who were kind of bigoted or homophobic, you know? And they became cops in that town. You know what I mean? Like, that's who's running around doing that shit. And yeah, I think I definitely know kids who were kind of punks, you know, who were kind of anarchistic, who are doing really awesome, creative, wonderful things with their lives, you know? So if your kid happens to, you know, be one of these things, don't confuse it for the other, you know, for the sake of the kid. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to hear more about Camaro Joe's family, and we're going to see, you know, for once, they got his back, you know, in this world, because, you know, it's not always how it goes down when you're the thorn in the side of your high school. Yeah. But this, this situation escalates. So Joseph says, I'm just sitting here reading a book and waiting for my girlfriend. I'm going to give her a ride home. Who always shows up in a great moment in weed history. (laughs) That's the sound of the police. Yeah, of course. Naturally, two uh, armed police officers show up at the school. And finally, uh, uh, Joseph leaves because they're going to arrest him for trespassing. Mm -hmm. The next morning at school, Joseph turned his chair around and sat with his back to the flag during the Pledge of Allegiance. Whoa, he Kaepernicked. Yo, respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, because what he's saying with that statement is that the freedoms that I'm pledging allegiance to, they don't exist for me. You know what I mean? Like, he's not turning his back on the flag to say, like, fuck America or something like that, you know, as is the very, like, sort of simple-minded perception of, of an action like that. What he's saying is that we're all lying to ourselves when we're saying these things. You know what I mean? The freedoms guaranteed to me in this pledge by this flag, by our Constitution, are not being properly given to me. And weed has always been just such a clear example of that. Weed is like the equivalent of getting arrested for reading a book in the library. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not harming anybody. You're making a decision for yourself to expand your mind. (laughs) And of course, somebody comes along and tells you that's restricted. You're not allowed to expand your mind in that way. That's not sanctioned by this bullshit authority. And so here's Joseph. He's talking to the newspaper and he says, this was my symbolic protest against a school administration that clearly lacked common sense and abused its power in order to retaliate against anyone who dared question their authority. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, he's he sees this for what it is. But we're all on the same wavelength here with Joseph. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was sort of the inciting incident. He's trying to read in the library and two cops show up. Um, mm-hmm. And he has in the back of his mind that there has to be some response. Mm-hmm. And so then how does he come up with this bong hints for Jesus idea? Mm. Yeah. Well, we actually have his live journal where he explains it. Ah, oh, amazing. So it was 2002. A lot of kids were using LiveJournal. This is like an early form of social media or Twitter or whatever. Yeah, this is what we in the history biz call a primary document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight uh, from the horse's mouth. Straight from Joe. Straight from Camaro Joe. I do not know if it was called Camaro Joe Live Blog or not. <laughs> <laughs> and so he says... I had taken an American justice class as a junior, and the class covered the Bill of Rights and all of its afforded protections. So I decided to devise a plan that would be clearly constitutionally protected free speech, but also funny and embarrassing to the high school administration. 
My friends and I brainstormed but could not arrive at a verse that we all agreed upon. Then one day while snowboarding at Eagle Crest, my girlfriend pointed out a sticker on a snowboard that read, Bong hits for Jesus. Oh, man. So that's interesting that initially it was the prank was just about sending some kind of message. It wasn't like he was like, I have this slogan that I I have to figure out a way to to show the world. Uh, It was more like we're going to show the world something. But what is the thing that we're going to say? Right. Yeah. And and he's very savvy. He recognizes this opportunity for what it is. There's going to be a camera that is going to beam this around the world, and it's right in my little town, and I'm going to use that opportunity. Yeah, and be thwarted by the same principal who tried to have him arrested for reading a book in the library. Mm -hmm. So here's continuing uh, to explain his motivations. It's very much along what you were saying. Joseph says, the sign was a parody that could be subjectively interpreted to mean whatever anyone wants it to mean. The high school was not an official sponsor of the running of the Olympic torch. Therefore, being a school-sponsored activity was not a concern, especially since it was going to be done off of school property. Yeah. See, this is what it gets back to. And actually reminds me of something that happened to me as a kid in Thailand where there was this kid named Evan, and he was kind of a bully. So one Saturday... I took his bicycle and I threw it into the klong. Now, klongs are these things that they have in Thailand that's essentially a pit of, like, disgusting water. And they have them, like, all over Bangkok, right? So, obviously, the bike was ruined. But I then got in trouble by the principal of the school for something that happened not on the campus of the school over a weekend just because there was another kid involved. And I was always like... This is bullshit. School children are not just the subjects of some sort of kingdom that's, you know, presided over by the fucking principal. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and 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 as you say, intelligence, and he thought this out carefully. He said, this is not on school grounds, so they shouldn't be able to get me that way. The message is nonsensical, so they're not going to be able to go against the message And he says, I believe I had thought out all aspects so that this demonstration of student free speech would be protected from any kind of school administration repercussions. Mm. What I did not plan on was petty retaliations by professional educators. Voltaire was quite correct in his warning. It is extremely dangerous to be right if the government or one of its institutions are wrong. Yeah, man, seriously. Now we know what he was reading when he was sitting there in the library. It was Voltaire. So following the bong hits banner incident, everybody who dropped the sign just gets off, even though they were part of planning it and executing it because they yielded to authority Mm -hmm. when authority presented itself. So, yeah, Joseph gets suspended from school for 10 days Uh, And he actually said the punishment was initially just five days, but it was doubled when he talked back to the principal and quoted Thomas Jefferson on free speech. Wow. So look at that. I mean, he's quoting a founding father to his principal. And yet, like, all that does is get him into more hot water. Yeah. And meanwhile, Principal Morse, here's her defense. 
she later testified because believe like when I said this goes she, whoa testified <laughs> yeah. oh shit she later testified that she added the extra five days because he refused to rat out his accessories oh my god and see this is the kind of person that they're generating or trying to generate in American public schools they're trying to generate sheep and rats and snakes <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we are going to take a little break in a second. Get paid to smoke weed. And when we come back, what we are going to find out is this shit is far from over. Holy shit. I can't wait to see how far this kid takes this. Smoke weedia. And we are back. When we last left off, young Joseph Frederick had been suspended for 10 days now. Uh, He was initially suspended for five, but then his fascist-ass principal tacked on another five because he quoted Thomas Jefferson at her. Yeah, and this school suspension, this is just the beginning. The, The harassment does not stop there at all. Harassment or harassment? Both. Double barrel they went after this kid. Oh, my God. Okay, so 10 days of suspension, harassment, harassment. Right now, he's truly experiencing the authoritarian bullshit that he's, they're protesting. Yeah, they're proving that they're not petty dictators by suspending him for harmless pranks. Yeah, seriously. And it only gets worse because this is, according to the Anchorage Daily News, this is what happens next. The following week... While serving his suspension, Joseph was arrested by Juneau police and charged with trespass while parked at the municipal swimming pool next to the high school waiting to pick up his girlfriend. So this is something that I've personally experienced when I went to high school in a suburban town where the cops, they actually target you because they know your vehicle. This is a, you know, this is not like New York City they're living in. Oh, yeah. And here it is from this newspaper article. His white Camaro was impounded and searched for drugs. Yep. They think, and, you know, perhaps for some reason, that the bong hits for Jesus Kid might be holding. (laughs) (laughs) And Joseph complains that, you know, the police ruined the electrical door and windows on his car, and the only thing they found was a straw that was in a Taco Bell cup, and they listed it as drug paraphernalia. This just shows they're out to get him, because no reasonable person looks at an empty... I think every teenager has an empty fountain soda cup and and straw in their car. Yeah, there are literally 19 of them in my car right now. <laughs> so the, the trespassing charges were dropped after a dispute over how close to school property line his Camaro was parked. They, they had basically, as part of his suspension, you can't come within mm. this close. So he... Wants to pick his girlfriend up, which is the inciting incident of all his problems. Every terrible incident (laughs) in his life. Uh, And he figures, this is the closest place I can park to pick her up. He knows he's right. They come after him anyway. And later, of course, they just drop the charges. Yeah, but the the harassment slash harassment has already been done at that point. You know, like, this is one of the most fucked up things about it is that they'll fuck with you and then they'll say, oh, you have a problem with it? Well, why don't you go through this incredibly bureaucratic process, essentially prolonging your trauma 
and worsening it or probably creating new traumas in the process, that's the answer to it. You know what I mean? So in the end, they end up winning. They end up getting to do exactly what they want, uh, which is to marginalize uh, a person whom they're out to get. Yeah, and it fucks with your head. Yeah. And so this continues. This is still from this newspaper article. Once he was back in school after the suspension, Joseph was suspended again in March for wearing a Leatherman tool in the hallway. He was also arrested again, this time after failing to signal a left turn in his Camaro. Police Arrested for arrested. not using a turn signal? How is that not a $24 ticket? And they, they're, you know, this is all within weeks, all of these arrests. So he's being harassed by the police. And you know what the most fucked up part about this is? Is that his fucking shithead principal is an extension of the police. I mean, like, these are people who are in cahoots. Clearly, right? They're, and they're the ones who are, like, going after this kid. It's He's a child. He's an 18-year-old kid, like, 17-year-old kid or whatever. Like, can you imagine being an adult who is in this game of cat and mouse with, with a kid who hasn't really done anything wrong, you know? Yeah, I mean, totaling up his, his threats to society is reading a book in a library mm -hmm. and holding a nonsensical sign. Yeah. Um, and this is how hard they're coming after him. So not only is he arrested for this turn signal, police took him to jail on the spot saying he'd failed to pay an old fine for a uh, minor consuming alcohol. But that charge was also dropped when police discovered it was clerical error. Oh, clerical error. See, they're pointing at the bureaucracy. They're just doing whatever the fuck they want and then anytime anyone has a problem with it, they just throw them into the machine. That's what's happening in America today. And that's what's happening to Joseph Frederick. Yeah. And what's what's really just so ironic is he's trying to make the point that the school abuses its authority. And to, and to prove him wrong, you know, they've arrested him on false charges. And, you know, they're are, abusing their authority. They're abusing their authority. Um, it's fucking ludicrous. So then Joseph decides, all right, I'm going to fight back. Joseph, don't quit. Hell yeah, man. I think that's one thing we've learned about Joseph so far is that he's not going to back down. He's not going to back down. And so many of our weed stories in this series come down to that. People who achieve their great moment in weed history or their great contribution to weed culture only because they didn't stop three or four times when most people would have stopped. Mm -hmm. So uh, Joseph accused the school and police of retaliating because of his banner. He eventually sued the city for harassment or harassment. Eventually, city officials agreed in 2004, so this is two years later, to pay a $22,000 settlement without conceding any guilt. But also, meanwhile, Joseph's father got fired from his job in part because of the lawsuit that his son filed. Oh, wow. Okay, so they get off pretty easy. Then again, I mean, you know, school districts aren't exactly flush with money. I feel like, you know, a few classes got canceled, you know? <laughs> like, they were like, oh, fire the art teacher. We got to pay this kid 22 grand. <laughs> like, fire the art teacher that taught him how to make banners, yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? But, so, basically, $22,000 is supposed to placate this kid, but they don't admit any guilt. And I feel like 
young Joseph is not going to be super satisfied with this. Not at all, but it gets worse. Hmm. Joseph's father happened to work as a risk manager for the school district's insurance company. No. And they fire him. Oh, my God. Wait, so that does not seem right at all. Like, this is an unrelated thing. And it's he doesn't even work directly for the f- school district. He worked for somebody that contracts for the school district. And he loses his fucking job. This is getting out of hand. It is getting out of hand. And it's he works for the district's insurance company. So they're the ones who are going to actually have to pay in this lawsuit. They pressure him. They say, tell your son to drop the lawsuit. Uh, Joseph's father, very stand-up, says no. They fire him. And then his father sues the company he worked for, Alaska Public Entity Insurance, and eventually he wins a jury award of 200 grand plus legal fees. Oh my God, justice is served in in some way, shape, or form. And also, I think that it's funny that this kid's father is a risk manager. I guess it skips a generation. (laughs) But so that's incredible. So he sues the city and then... He settles or or he's awarded $200,000 in the city, admits guilt. No, he wins at jury. Oh, great. 200 grand. Take that, fucking city. Yeah. So in the meantime, these are just suits against the city. Joseph also filed a free speech lawsuit against the school, and it has been working its way through the legal system. And along the way... Uh, powerful supporters lined up on both sides of this sort of seemingly silly case, bong hits for Jesus, that actually has really profound implications for student free speech in the United States. Holy shit, this is really fascinating. So you're telling me that in all the seriousness of these trials, these legal proceedings that are going on, that occasionally somebody has to say the phrase, bong hits for Jesus. All the time, somebody has to say the phrase. Oh, fucking beautiful. You're going to see where this goes. And I, like, I was on the, I I certainly wasn't the dedicated journalist I am today, but I I wrote for the high school newspaper Ah. uh, primarily as a way to antagonize the school (laughs) and, and bumped up against this all the time. My high school newspaper was censored by the administration. Um, And not just for the seven dirty words you can't say on television, but for anything. Motherfucker, cocksucker, shit, fuck, pussy, and cunt. All I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Which we can say on this show, Mm -hmm. because this is a 21-plus affair, people. I don't know if you heard the disclaimer (laughs) up top. (laughs) Um, So he is... Making this a free speech issue, it's going all the way up the legal system. And eventually, with a lot of support from the American Civil Liberties Union, they're making this argument that Joseph was a citizen expressing free speech at a public event. But on the other side, there's some powerful lawyers, too, Hmm. who are arguing that Joseph has no right to free speech in this context. How the fuck in America can you argue that somebody does not have the right to free speech in any context where they haven't signed something that explicitly signs it away. Yeah, well, I think when you hear who is the lead lawyer on the other side of the case, you'll understand that you can easily argue that 
so long as you are a morally bankrupt individual willing to say or do anything to please whoever is pulling the strings in your back. Was it Alan Dershowitz? Kenneth Starr. Fucking eight. That was my next guess. That <laughs> was my next oh, guess. I should have given you one more guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was definitely my next guess. But of course it was fucking Ken Starr, who's currently defending Donald Trump's fucking criminal ass. Uh, man, what a fucking dickhead. Of course. Of course. When there's like, if he's representing you and you're sitting there in court and you're, you see him stand up and he walks around and says stuff, at some point you got to say to yourself like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Kenneth Starr is representing me like, oh, who else is he representing? Oh, I'm a fucking piece of shit. It's good he's here. Yeah. Because I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I got the right guy. Yeah, but I'm definitely a piece of shit. And so here is what U.S. special counsel at the time who represented Principal Morse. So he sued the principal. Right. And um, I need that lighter because. Oh, yeah, you go. I mean, I'll twist I got to smoke one for somebody who sued okay. their principal. Go ahead. Smoke that one down. I'm going to twist us another one. And Kenneth Starr, uh, for whatever reason, represents pro bono the principal in this case. Pro bono? Oh, my God. Th dude, he's the fucking worst. Well, you know, these these folks get paid all kinds of different ways to do all kinds of different things. Yeah. Um, so I'm not up at night worrying about Ken Starr missing a paycheck. So this is Kenneth Starr in open court defending the principal's actions. It was a field trip where the school was able and did exercise its authority. Schools should be able to put a stop to these kinds of pro-drug culture messages. Mm, okay, well, pro-drug, I mean... He's not necessarily, look, what if somebody holding the sign that says bong hits for Jesus is like, I'm a Satanist, you know, <laughs> and I hate Jesus and I hate weed. So I, I'm, I'm putting these in the same category. I hate both of them. Bong hits are for Jesus. You know what I mean? That's like, oh, that's how I feel about that. Like, you can't really say that it's pro-drug uh, in, in any way. You can't say it's pro-religion or pro-drug. Yeah, that this becomes you've you've put your finger on the central issue of this of this case as it moves its way up, uh, shall we say, to higher and higher courts. Son of a bitch. So this actually keeps ascending. Dude, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. This keeps ascending to higher and higher courts. Like All right, here, um, I'm just gonna hit you with it. Mm -hmm. Eventually this case made its way to the Supreme Court of the yeah. United States. You know, like, when you said it just kept going, I figured, like, it can't go any higher than that, <laughs> literally. Jesus has to show up for it to go higher than that. He has to show up himself and be like, look, I just want to make it clear that if the boggits are for me, I'm going to have to let them happen, you yeah. know? <laughs> it also, that gives him uh, standing in the court. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But first, initially, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that Principal Morse had indeed violated Joey's First Amendment rights. That's great, man. Shout out the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And you know what? Fuck you, Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. I don't even know if that exists. Ninth Circuit Court, friends of the podcast. Yeah. In this, in this instance. Yeah, oh, God yeah. knows. We're not signing. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what the fuck else they did? 
a single-use friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Just this one time in this one instance. But when the bong hits case reached the Supremes, the Supreme Court, not the singing group of yeah. the Motown era. <laughs> they got involved. In- <laughs> now, you know shit is very serious when Diana Ross shows up. Fuck. She's, the. I think, on parallel with Jesus in this. Yeah, seriously. In any situation, In any situation. So, uh, now it's 2007. So, five years have gone by from the unfurling of the sign to being heard in the highest court in the land. Wow. So, this kid has come into adulthood fighting this case. And he probably could have let it go. At some point, right? I mean, at this point, it's... Yeah, uh, he's suing them. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, he could have let this go, but he is too true to his ideals to do that. He really wants to make this point. I mean, look, imagine going from age 18 to 23 and you're still fighting for the same cause. I mean, the changes that you go through in those years, I mean, it's a very formative time. And... This guy's really showing what he's made of, like, in that very crucial period for a young man. Yeah, and he's getting a lot of help from the ACLU because they see this is about a bigger issue. They see that this, if this aggression will stand, man, Mm -hmm. that it's going to draw a sharp line around student free speech and that a precedent like that can be used in a lot more serious cases to Mm. keep students from addressing, you know, having an anti-war rally, talking about sexual freedom and health, all all kinds of issues and all kinds of speech can be uh, suppressed and repressed through these rulings. So the ACLU is taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. It is a conservative court. And in a five to four ruling, they bent over backwards to sort of invent this tailor-made argument for censoring Joseph's speech. You're kidding. It's confounding to me. Well, you know what? Seeing the state that the Supreme Court is in now and has been, you know, it many times in history. I guess it's sadly not that surprising. Yeah, and it comes down to, like, they, the majority in this case and the majority in many, many cases in any court, they knew what they wanted to decide, Mm -hmm. and then they looked to justify it. And I say that because their justifications don't hold up to real scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Because basically, the majority claimed that watching the torch pass on private property, still counted as a school-sponsored event, and that some sort of singular exemption existed allowing the school to crack down on any message, no matter how surreal or absurd, that they considered to be advocating illegal drug use. So the the dissenting opinion, which I'm going to read from in a second, it was written by Justice Stevens, and of course he is uh, joined by three others, including RBG. Of course! Ah! Ruth Bader Ginsburg, fucking badass. Then and now and in the future. Yeah. Forever. Forever and And ever and ever. She's going to live to be 300 years old. Smoke weed, RBG. Yeah, for the love of God, smoke weed. I'm pretty sure they don't test Supreme Court justices. And my response to this was, wait and see. And so this is the dissent. And I think it says a lot. 
It is one thing to restrict speech that advocates drug use. It is another thing entirely to prohibit an obscure message with a drug theme that a third party subjectively and not very reasonably thinks is tantamount to express advocacy. To the extent the court independently finds that bong hits for Jesus objectively amounts to the advocacy of illegal drug use, that conclusion practically refutes itself. This is a nonsense message, not advocacy, and the court's feeble effort to divine its hidden meaning is strong evidence of that. Wow, and they got the phrase bong hits for Jesus into a Supreme Court decision. That's fucking insane. Making bong hits for Jesus an important addition to First Amendment law. Gary Nuremberg, CNN, Washington. It's kind of like when I, I I got Tucker Carlson to say great moments in weed history. Yeah, he, you know, Tucker, you will have always said that now. <laughs> you will have always said great moments in weed history. We have it on tape. Great moments in weed history. By the time the verdict came down, uh, as you said, Joseph was 23 years old. He was living in China and teaching English as a career. I mean, he sues the school. The, he gets arrested multiple times on these trumped up charges. And then his father gets fired vindictively, sues the school. They win a bunch of money. They still have a lawsuit against the principal. It's like, you know, that town ain't big enough for, for all these Fredericks anymore. And they, they split. It, this hit him pretty hard. You know, I, I made a, a, a lot of efforts just to try to find him and make contact with him, and I really couldn't. You know, I'm not going to go beyond the bounds of somebody's privacy, but I looked all different kinds of ways online. And I know that from his last comments, he really regretted that, you know, this case became a precedent. Once once the ruling comes down from the Supreme Court, other school districts could point to it. But I'll oh, just... That's terrible. We'll wrap up with his final words on this. He, he says, you know, I, I regret that I lost, but not that I had taken on authority and fought for my ideals. I wanted to know more precisely the boundaries of my freedom. I feel that if you don't use your rights, you lose them. Wow. Very, very well said. Joseph Frederick, a true weed legend, and somebody who we should all be thankful to for doing what he did, despite the outcome in the end, despite that Supreme Court decision. Because truly, he's the type of person who inspires us to keep fighting, to keep standing up to authority no matter what. Because if we're not living free, then we're not living at all in a lot of ways, you know? And, and that's something we got to remember. Freedom is being able to express yourself, to be your true self, to be free to be your true self, no matter what, wherever you are in the world that you exist in, to not be oppressed for doing something that doesn't hurt anyone, for just spreading your message. I mean, I really hope that this sentiment is something that we can remember in this day and age when we're so distracted by so much bullshit and, and placated by all this crap in the world. I hope that there's high school kids and adults who carry that same spirit with them. And Joseph, thanks for making bong hits for Jesus a thing. I mean, like that, this is definitely, it's uh, it's one for the ages, you know? Yeah, and I think what you said, that idea about freedom 
weed to me and to so many people has always been a metaphor and and not even a metaphor because you can lose your freedom for it. And, and we see this benign plant, this beneficial plant being the, the, the center of all of this authoritarian fascist repression. And so, of course, it also serves as this guiding metaphor for the freedom we want in society, the freedom we want in ourselves. And I do think that there is sort of a really fitting way uh, that we can pay tribute to Joseph and everything he contributed. How's that? Next time you're going to take a bong hit, take one for Jesus. Goddamn right. And I mean, some would say that every bong hit you take should be for Jesus. But you know what? If that's not your habit, at least one, at least one bong hit should be for Jesus. Bean, thank you so much for that story. It really brought back all these memories of being a high school kid with a chip on your shoulder and just wanting to stick it to the man. Truly an epic story about somebody who wanted to stand up for cannabis. And that's what we're about on Great Moments in Weed History. That was truly a great moment. That's it for this episode, everybody. Thanks so much for sticking around with us. Shout out to Joseph Frederick. Hey, Joseph, if you ever want to tell your story in your own words, please hit us up and we'd love to have you on the show. Right, Bean? Absolutely. You you, you bring the Jesus, we'll bring the bong. Yeah. <laughs> or the other way around. Yeah, whichever, whatever works for you. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. Great Moments in Weed History is a Spoke Media production. It's hosted by me, David Bienenstock, a.k.a. Bean, and Abdullah Saeed. We're produced by Cody Hoffmachel with help from Reyes Mendoza, Trey Jones, and Carson McCain. This episode was mixed by Jonathan Villalobos. Our executive producers are Aliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds. We're recorded at Gold Digger Studio by Gabe Wilhelm. Shout out to our patrons on Patreon. Thanks so much. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at GMIWH Podcast on all platforms. Check out our show notes for links to our sponsors. You can support us by supporting them. Thanks for listening. Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com, and that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.